0: Our God is good. Amen. Is he worthy of praise? Can we give him some praise? He's worthy of praise. Thanks, sis. Thanks, sis. I'm gonna watch this. Praise God. Good to see everybody. Uh, my name is Doug, Pastor Doug Logan. The role I play at Epiphany Fellowship is Connections Pastor. Also, I am a church plant resident here with um, by God's grace to plant in the next two to three years in the region. Amen. Amen? Some folk would say New Jersey. <laughs> I don't know if I would, but God be the glory. Amen. <laughs> so let's get right into this text. I don't, I don't want to use up none of my minutes. but I, Man, it was real dope yesterday to be here at the Getting It In To Get It Out. I was excited and encouraged to see people really passionate about sharing the gospel of Christ, and seeing holistic gospel transformation in North Philly. I want to sort of piggyback on um, getting it in to get it out. Um, I'm in Matthew chapter 15, and I want to sort of ride a little bit on, on that. Let me get this one. I need a paperweight. There we go. I'm in Matthew 15. Let me pray and let's get right into this text. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for your great love and your grace and your mercy that you shower on us daily. We thank you for what was unaccomplishable, (laughs) Doug Logan word, for man, you clearly and convincingly accomplished. On the cross of Christ. You bore our wrath and brought us into full community with the Father. So, Jesus, we adore you. You alone are precious and glorious. So, we thank you. Lord, I pray even now for me that you would um, use your servant today. Humble, humble me, God, that the words that I say would be the words you would have me to say. So, God, We thank you and we praise you, and we pray, God, that if there's one here that that does not know you, there's one exploring, there's one seeking, God, that you would pierce, penetrate, and convince that Jesus is the Christ and the only way to eternal life. Lord, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Matthew 15. I'm starting at verse 32, so let me dive right into this. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, Where are we going to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? They said seven and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. Somebody say satisfied. And they took up seven baskets full of broken pieces left over, those who were Those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. And after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went to the region of Magadan. Title of my message is Faith of Fish Fry and Christ Fulfilling His Mission. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Faith of Fish Fry and Christ Fulfilling His Mission. This was the feeding of the 4,000, which was separate from the feeding of the 5,000 in Matthew 14, a, a chapter back. This was an expansion of the ministry to the Gentiles. You see just a couple of chapters before, Jesus fed more than 5,000 besides men and women, besides um, children, besides um, children and, and women, which, if you do those numbers, 5,000, if each one of them is married, that's 10,000, and each, each one of them have one child. Another 15,000, another 5,000. We're looking at 15. More people, many poor people would come to hear Jesus preach and they would pack enough food for one or two day journey and they would wind up hanging longer to hear him preach and see him heal and what they would do is they would run out of food. This great picture of the abundant grace of God and the holy provision of nourishment that feeds the masses. So this is a picture of how abundant God is and when you come to him, he satisfies. I want to encourage you today that when you are facing a difficult situation, remember this. The provision of needy sinners is Jesus. And in him, all of our needs are met and, we'll, and we will never go hungry. Let's come as needy sinners, dependent upon his grace. Jesus has compassion and we all stand in need. The song used to saying, it's not my mother, not my father, but it's me, O oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. My first idea is Christ's compassion must be our compassion. Notice what Jesus said. Notice what the Bible says. Then Jesus called the disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd. I want you to notice something that might have ran past you. He called them to himself. He called them to himself and he says, I have compassion. To, that word compassion means to be moved in the inner parts, to relate so closely to one's pain that it hurts you. The root of the Greek means you relate to their pain and it moves you to alleviate the consequences of their suffering. We, we, we say, are you feeling me? The question is, are we really feeling one another's pain? or do we just say we do and he had great compassion on the crowd this confused multitude of common people disenfranchised no health insurance uneducated the groups that would gather were the least the last the lost and the left out not norm- normally not having enough food to make it and for many of them their last chance at life They were hoping and waiting and wanting so greatly to have something more that they would follow Jesus wherever he went, hoping he was going to change their life. Broken people like us. Broken people like us. I want you to understand the dynamic of Jesus calling them. See, the Bible says that Jesus called the disciples to himself. That word calling them means he huddles up with them. He indicates his sense of intimacy and closeness. He did this, he called the disciples to him. He did this that he might kick, not that he would just kick it with them, but that he would make them acquainted with his purpose. Not because he needed their advice, but because he would give an instance of his condescending love to them. I just want you to see how Jesus just didn't brush them off and say, look, I got this, I'm Jesus, you jokers, your faith has been raggedy all 14 chapters. But he called them and huddled up with them. I mean, I want you to imagine God saying, come here, Reg, let's figure this out. (laughs) Come on, I want to tell you about what I'm about to do. I think of Abraham and, 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 and and, and, and God said, should we withhold what we're going to do from my friend, Abraham? And he called the disciples to himself. This reason... The reason we're not so motivated to share the gospel with a dying world is because the church in America lacks compassion and vigor for the things that God has passion about. This word compassion. Jesus says, I'm hurting for the people. I feel the hurt of the people so much, it hurts me. Often we don't have that. We don't feel their hurt. We don't want to be bothered. We want to get to church, cut off 40 people on the way, fight and argue with our spouses, put on a fake smile when we get here, and then sing. We don't have compassion. And we've stepped over people, grown past people for the sake of worshiping. And we had opportunities to worship all the way. And we traded the worship and the closeness of God for singing sometimes. Sometimes we do that. I've done it. We lack motivation. we become so consumer-oriented, selfish, and ingrown. we become stingy with the love of God for those outside the body of Christ. Jesus had compassion and complete obedience to the Father that led to his passion, his suffering at the cross. He was willing to hurt to take away our pain. He was willing to go to the cross and satisfy the wrath that the Father had for us, that he might redeem, renew, and revive us. His, his compassion always is worked out in a missional action. Christ is, was never not on mission, and neither are we. We were always on mission. It hurts God when he sees people not worshiping him. His response his mission, might we recognize our neediness to see the great God of compassion heal us in practical ways. And might our response to his grace be worshiped. This is what Spence Jones says. God's mercy should lead us to adoration. Worship is what we owe to God. And worship is the prostration of the whole being. Bowed low in adorning reverence before the glory of God. May the mercies of each day lead us to practice here on earth that holy, unselfish worship, which we hope hereafter to offer before the glory throne. He looks at this crowd. I have compassion on the crowd because they have been now with me three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry unless they faint on the way. He looks at this crowd of 4,000 men alone. With the numbers again, that's about 12,000 people or more the great need of trying to feed all those people did not weaken his compassion. It fueled the compassion of Christ. When we look at our landscape here in North Philadelphia of fatherlessness, of single family homes, of joblessness, of addictions, of subpar schools, of murder rate off the charts, it should not frighten us. In Christ, it should fuel us to lift the name of Christ in the midst of it. This is the heart, this is our heart, not just for evangelism, but it's the idea of interweaving evangelism into the heart of the church, which which some missiologists call evangelization. The whole church with the whole gospel reaching the whole neighborhood. The disciples responded. I want you to notice the response of the disciples. Look what they said. I want you to notice Jesus responded with compassion, and then watch how the disciples responded. And the disciples said to him, where are we going to get enough bread in this desolate place? This desolate place. That word is isolated, uninhabited, deserted, barren, or empty. It sounds like us before Christ. We were barren, void of God, hopeless, helpless, and hurting. And by God's compassion, his mercy, and loving kindness, he impregnated our hearts with his Holy Spirit that we might have life and be fertile and produce many disciples for his mission that we might redeem barren, empty, deserted people like us with his gospel. His compassion fuels his action and it ought to fuel our actions. Matthew twenty seven, Pastor E just read it, and I'll read it again. We do repeats here. Thirty five. I'm sorry. Give me. Matthew 9, 35-38. That's how scribbly I write. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. This great compassion that Jesus has should fuel our compassion. He says, they've been with me now for three days and they have nothing to eat. I want you to see how Jesus identifies the needs of the people. He does community assessment without Google and downloading demographics. He assesses the situation and his compassion leads him to hurting for the people, then giving them access to resources. He makes a statement of unwavering position of his commitment. He says, I am unwilling to send them away hungry. The word unwilling is simply he refuses to do it. It was asked of him on the cross, why don't you get down from here and get me down? He answered not a word. I'm so glad he didn't get down. Amen. I'm so glad he refused to get down. So because he did not get down, we can go up and be with him and we can live on earth in relationship with the God of all heaven. He refused. It was He is committed to our needs even when we aren't committed to our needs. He is committed to the mission that the Father sent him on. He is committed to the hurting. Jesus was not willing to send them away hungry. We must be committed. We must own the lostness of our community and the depravity, and the issues. And we must be willing to see North Philadelphia as, when we, as we see them hurting. It must burn in our hearts to feel their pain, not to be pitiful towards them, but to preach the gospel, to love them, to show off the glory of Christ, that they might embrace the only hope that they have, that any and all might run to Jesus, and that when that happens, when that happens, schools get better. When that happens, divorce rates go down. When that happens, domestic violence reduces. When that happens, prostitutes stop being prostitutes and get jobs. When that happens, dudes who don't pay child support and got seven kids by 18 different women, that stops. When the gospel invades our darkness, our hurt, our pain, that's community development. That's the stimulus package that North Philadelphia needs. We need the stimulus of the spirit of the living God, to, to, to not to just push us like a worship leader making an emotional plea to make us sing songs that we don't believe, but to, greet, to meet us in our hearts and challenge us in the hard stuff of reaching the lost. And I'm not talking about just the lost like your roommate that's real nice and y'all really relate to one another. I'm talking about the dude that hates you. I'm talking about the neighbor who is nasty to you. I'm challenging you as I'm challenging myself. We have to show off the glory of Christ in every area of life, and that's to people who hate you too. Please don't act like I'm saying it's easy. It's hard to get cussed out regular. Sometimes doing evangelism is like being a telemarketer. They just hang up before you say a word. I don't want it. Click. They got a caller ID on their heart. soon as you talk, they hit ignore. But we have to persist and be committed. Christ was committed even unto death. We got to be committed. We got to be committed. We got to be unwilling to walk away. We preach, we live out, we teach, we mentor, we help people see their greatest need, Christ, but also help them with their felt needs, food. It don't take that much to do this. Sam and me, we, we, we just two jokers. We just walked the block intensely for several weeks to get it in and talk with different folk. Look, all Jesus did in a barren land, all it, it don't take that much. All he used was a few biscuits a couple broken pieces of whiting in a vacant lot, and folk was getting fed and filled and satisfied. This is just a block party in the wilderness. Just some fried fish and some, and, some, and some rolls. But the compassion that he had tastes better than the fish. The compassion that he has feels sweeter than the bread, and it feels... The hungry soul. It fills the hungry soul. A little compassion goes a long way. The reality is that when we we give our lives to Jesus, he fills us with his spirit by grace. He doesn't release, he doesn't send us away without the power of the Holy Spirit and without freeing us from the bondage of sin. See, sometimes the idea of coming to Jesus is coming up to the front, And saying a a repeated prayer, I, I, Doug Logan, Doug Logan, believe, believe that if I die, if I die, right now, right now, I immediately, immediately be in heaven with Christ. You know how many times I made somebody say that goofy thing? So they're saying some stuff I told them to say. Maybe they don't believe. With no compassion, but with performance. I just want to get them saved. But compassion goes beyond just getting somebody to repeat your prayer. It goes so far beyond. And, and when Jesus saves us, he just doesn't give us cute words to say in the front of the church, but he comes into our lives mysteriously. I, I, I can't explain it. I didn't see a mist go into my heart, but I felt the love that I never felt. I felt the emptiness begin to be filled up by his love. I, 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 I felt something different. I knew something different. And regardless of how I felt, the word was truth to me. And even when I wanted to feel like I used to, thank God for the Holy Spirit that said, you're not allowed. You're no longer your own. He, he, he just didn't save us and then sends us out with no protection. Philadelphia does better than that for their police. When you become a police, you have to wear bulletproof vests. I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit comes as the ultimate provider and protector. And Jesus, we come into his family and he protects and loves and gives us all we need to walk in this crazy world. All we need. He doesn't send us away without his Holy Spirit. We must in turn seek to... Do that to the physically starved and the spiritually starved on the block. That's our mission field. He satisfies our soul with himself because apart from feeding on Jesus and being filled with the spirit, they will collapse eternally on the way. Look what he says. And I am willing to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way that word faint is collapsed. So he says, if I don't give them something to eat, they're going to pass out and they're not going to make it. Well, if we don't feed on the goodness and the nutrients of Jesus, who is the Christ, we will eternally collapse and move from total depravity to utter depravity to be ever separated from God. But if we feast... On the one who has such great compassion, we are ever full in his love and ever connected with direct access to the father who we have sinned against and have nothing to bring to the table thank you Jesus thank you for your compassion John Perkins says this, if a person is hungry, you gotta keep them alive till faith comes I like John Perkins I'll give you an example of this and I'm going to move to my next. When I lived in Jersey, I always had a missionary type kid live with me. Normally a white kid from a rural area that don't have cable because they don't have cable out there. Don't have city water. They got like wells be pumping. Well, I had a kid named Mark McMillan. I praise God. Many of y'all know him from Temple I was able to do, that, do the wedding for them recently. Well, he was in love with a young lady in Maniunk, and he lived with me in Palmyra, New Jersey. Mar- Mark likes money. He don't like to waste it, he's a good steward. So Mark bought him a very nice bike to ride from New Jersey and Palmyra to Maniunk, up them hills, both ways. It's 11 miles, y'all. Well, one day, I was pastoring in Kensington. Well, one day, he was coming home, two in the morning, riding his bike. Let me tell you something. It was a heat wave like no other. It was 98 degrees at one in the morning. That joker was riding and slowing down, they said. He made it to Kensington. Kensington couldn't find his key to the church and was just out on the block about to pass out. A bunch of jokers was about to get him. And praise God that some of the people that knew him from the church took him in their house and saved him from getting God. Amen. I said all that to say, Mark immediately went to REI, the little bike riding store. And he got this thing called a Camelback. If you ride bikes, Pastor E is a bike aficionado. He, he knows about the camelback. Well, a camelback is a book bag type thing. You wear it around your back, and it's like a, it's like a canteen, and it has water. So you put the straw, if you, if you don't look at it right, it look like they at the Super Bowl getting drunk. But you put the straw in the mouth like this, and the water is in the thing. So while you're riding, you don't stop and take a little canteen. You just ride and drink, and you ride and drink, and you ride and drink that you might not collapse, in the ride. Well, Jesus gets in our hearts and dispenses the fruit of the spirit all along this miserable journey called earth and life and by his grace he he unleashes along this journey the the fruit of the spirit. He unleashes joy and peace and long suffering and love and patience and kindness and faithfulness so that as we journey may be rough, we are fully supplied for our walk in this life, that we might not collapse on the way. Well, we talked about Christ's compassion, must be our compassion. Now let's move to my second idea, which is Christ's compassion always sparks mission. I want you to notice the response of the disciples. Jesus had laid out that he, was, he had a hurt and a desire and a compassion to not send them away hungry. And to see these people fed. In chapter 14, he fed 5,000, and Jesus' response to the people hurting was compassion then. His disciples' response to the people being fed was annoyance. So Jesus had a compassion, and the disciples were annoyed for this. Here's the challenge. I need you to notice that we can be selfish people, Christians. We get annoyed easily. We get mad if the Internet is slow. Traffic. We borrow money from people, and when they call, they get it back. We don't even answer the phone. We don't want to be bothered till it's our time of need. We must stop being annoyed with needy people because we're needy people. Don't just give up your money either. I'm not saying that. But we have to walk through, through a plan and a process seeking to build people up. Discipleship. Missional living is a crockpot life, not a frying pan. It cost us time, energy, money, and it costs us our lives. It's a sacrificial life. Jesus at one point had been traveling, and there was a woman who was following him. I'm going to read for you, Matthew. I'm going to back up a little bit in Matthew 15, 21. Look what he says. And Jesus went from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from the region came out. And was crying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, what? Send her away. For she is crying out after us. Somebody say us. He answered to the woman, I was not sent to the lost sheep. I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him. She got in a posture of submission and worship and saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She says something profound. Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, "O oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Jesus had a compassion, the woman had a compassion, and the disciples' response was annoyance. Sometimes our response is annoyance. She hurt because her daughter was dealing with demon possession so much that her response to her daughter's hurting was to get Jesus that he might alleviate her pain and release her, free her from her bondage. The disciples' response seemed to be annoyance. He said, send her away, meaning don't satisfy her desire, just get rid of her, send her away empty, hungry for freedom for her daughter. This woman had come to the reality that she was unable to free her daughter from Satan's bondage. Many of us came to that same reality, that we were able to get free from the bondage of sin. She wasn't so bound in her pagan religion that she didn't go after Jesus. I want to apply this. Sometimes we need to just shut up and go after Jesus. Sometimes we need to stop being bubblehead theologians and we just need to get on our knees and worship. Sometimes we need to put away the Greek and the Hebrew and, and all these, uh, these, these these downloads and we need to say, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. I'm in such great need. We need to just break out and, 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 and we don't have to get 77 books. to to worship, we just need some doggone holy hands lifted, some knees burnt up from being all night. We need to put away a meal and worship and fast and call out to the Lord for the Lord of the harvest that he might bring laborers, that he might forgive us of sin, that he might help us deal with our depression, our stress, our issues, our financial problems because we are a disenfranchised, broke hurting people ourselves. So we must cry out to the Lord. He is listening, he hears and he cares. Don't forget that we all need to worship the Lord of Heaven ourselves, not just for somebody else. We gotta worship Him. Is there there something sweeter than the presence of the Lord? In His presence is the fullness of joy. We forget the fullness of joy because we're doing mission without Jesus. We invite Him only at the big stuff. At Hurricane Katrina, now we need him. At the war in Iraq, now we need him. But when we don't know how to talk to our wives and love them well, we don't need him. We just read a book and listen to a download. No, we need to worship the Lord. I'm so glad the gospel is for the lost and the found. It's the same gospel that saved me, that's going to keep me and guide us throughout this whole life. Amen. And our And this compassion that Christ has always sparks mission. And this woman sought after Jesus. She sought after him. Aggressively go after Jesus. Meditate on his freedom. Confess our secret sins. See, we got sins that that nobody else sees but God sees them. He knows about your stash. He knows about those thoughts that you think nobody else knows. Confess those openly. You have freedom in Christ to respond in worship and tell them that I can't free myself. Only you, Christ, can free me. Synchronize our lives and begin to be efficient disciples of Christ. That woman had compassion. She hurt because her daughter was hurting. She responded to the hurt by getting someone with power to break her daughter out of the bondage. Jesus' response was quiet in the beginning. It notice she said, Jesus didn't say a word. He didn't answer a word. The disciples' response was annoyance. Send her away. She keeps crying after us. Somebody say us. Go back with me now to verse fifteen thirty-three because their response wasn't much different there either. Look at verse 33. And the disciples said to him, where are we going to get enough bread in a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? The Pharisees, in the early part of chapter 15, 1 through about 8, they missed the symbolism because they were so trapped in the traditions that they made up. The disciples, having just fed 5,000 with a miracle feeding, they're standing here and they missed the symbolism of who Christ is as well. Only this woman sensed that the bread was a symbol of God's gracious provision for those in need. Thus she pled with the Savior to give her a scrap of bread, even as a mere dog, knowing that what she was really asking for was the gift of grace, the deliverance of her daughter from the grip of Satan. So the religious folk missed it. The disciples walking with Jesus missed it. But this pagan woman, this idolater that many of us would say, she got it. Turn with me to Romans 9, and look what Paul, how Paul unpacks that a little bit. Romans 9, um, verse 30. Amen. What sh- What shall we say then? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it? That is a righteousness that is by faith. But... Go after Jesus aggressively with faith, knowing he is more than able to feed and to satisfy your spirit and your stomach. Where could we get enough bread in this deserted place to feed such a large group of four people? I want to zoom in on the us and the we. Somehow we're not much different than them because we, the church, we think wrongly sometimes that we are the ones who have the power to heal the ones who the nations are running to. The gospel is not about me. The gospel is about a man named Jesus, the long-awaited one, the one that the Father is completely pleased with, the one who came and lived and never sinned, the one who was the Word From the beginning, the one who brings peace, the logos, the living word, the true and only reigning king. The gospel is about the only one who brings authentic arena, the only one who brings authentic peace. He is the treasure of the ages, Jesus, who is the Christ. The gospel is about repentance to the most high God and faith in Christ. But I want you to notice that in the passage with the Canaanite woman, he says, send her away. Basically, she's getting on our nerves. She's calling out to us. And then this one he said, where are we gonna get enough bread? Key point. This points to our rich Christology, our Christocentrism, by Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone, to God be the glory alone, it never says by man alone. So to answer clearly where I'm at here is that the Canaanite woman was not calling out for the disciples. Her cry was for the son of David, have mercy on me. She never said Peter and John have mercy on me. She came seeking fulfillment from Jesus. Our ministry always points to Jesus, not to ourselves. Notice what the disciples say, where can we get enough bread? They gave a faithless and somewhat arrogant response. But Jesus' compassion always leads to a missional action. And the fall in the garden, at the fall of the garden, this is what he said, I will put enmity between your seed. And, her, and, 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 and I will put enmity between her seed so that you can't get to this Messiah that I'm sending. Missional action. Sent the Messiah. He said, later I will flood the earth because the world is in a perpetual state of full-blown sinfulness. But I will save eight by a boat, Noah's Ark. Abraham, through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Another missional action, Jesus is the true manna, the real wonder bread. The disciples were ignored that they weren't near a Panera bread in the wilderness. All the while they were standing next to the Panera from heaven. Thus he challenges their faith and shows that there were, that there were no human means available for feeding these severely hungry people. He challenges us that it's not about us. We will be overwhelmed if we try to reach anybody in anything but in Christ and through his power. And when we point them to Jesus, what's impossible for man, it's possible for God. We must seek in our lives as urban missionaries to point all focus of Christ's ability and not our human disability. The mission of preaching the gospel and fulfilling the needs of the people points to the source, Jesus When we think more of ourselves, that moves to a doctrine of works. And a doctrine of works always produces depression, anger, and ultimate failure. But with God, he can do it. See, as we look in verse 30, the disciples lacked faith. They were short-sighted. Jesus had just fed more than 5,000. I guess they thought he was out of tricks. I know what Jesus can do because I know what he's done. I just want you to look when you're struggling in despair. I want you to look back over your life and see how far the Lord has brought you. When you look back, you testify of these great testimonies of the Lord. But, but just yesterday, you thought you wasn't going to make it. But he done got you through some stuff you know it wasn't you that got you through. He done brought you through some depression you didn't think you was coming out of. You were suicidal, ready to kill somebody or yourself. And we struggle with bills after he's brought us through stuff like that. We struggle with our boss not liking us, after he's brought us through so long a way, because we lean and point back to ourselves. Take it off, take the cursor off of you and point it to the cross. When I think about salvation. I want you to see this transaction. A broken sinner, us, Jesus invites us to be forgiven. We come to him and bring our sin, our baggage, our mess, and we give it to him. And we repent and by faith receive him as savior. And he gives us free grace, access to the father, love, joy, himself. Sometimes I feel like I just ripped Jesus off. I think about him saving me and my wife and my children. And I realize I bring nothing to the table. I have nothing to point to that I offer. I come to the table with nothing I feel like that Ikea commercial where that lady goes in and pays for the stuff and it rings up kind of cheap. And she says, start the car. And she runs out of the parking lot just before they figure out they didn't charge her enough. (laughs) Do you realize this transaction? You bring your filth and your grime and you get communion with the Most High God. You get freedom from the bondage of sin. And access to the Father. What a deal. What a deal. And Jesus says, well, it's free grace. That's what I do. Thank you, Lord. We walked through our compassion. We, walked- we talked about our compassion aligning with Christ's compassion. Then we transition to Christ's compassion always sparks mission. Let's continue and conclude with my third idea. Christ's compassion Supplies more than enough to satisfy. I want you to notice in verse 34, it said, Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? Doug Logan translation, what are you working with? What do you bring to the table? They already said they can't find any way they're going to find anything. There's no stores. There's no 7-Eleven to buy some stuff to feed the people. So there was no place to get it. So, Jesus asked, well, what are you working with? They said, seven loaves of bread and a few small fishes. Verse 36. It says, and he took seven loaves, and, verse 35, and directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves of fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. Jesus thanked God for what he provided. Jesus didn't complain about what God didn't provide sometimes we need to just thank God for what we have we live a Christmas list life in the gospel and it don't work when I was six I started my Christmas list on December 26 for the next year and I had that joint every time a commercial came on I said I'm getting that for Christmas And we live this, and we always complain, Ma, I don't have. I just say, Ma, I don't have. I don't have. We get to the toy store, and she had to whoop me to get me out. We do Jesus like that. All we talk about is what we don't have. Jesus, well, I don't have this degree. Well, Jesus, I really need this car. Well, Jesus, I really need this thing from Ikea because it's on sale this week. And if you could provide it, it would be such a blessing to my ministry. Blessing to your living room we got to stop complaining about what we don't have, and we have to raise our hands and show off the gospel that we're thankful for what he's already given. Don't expect him to give you more if you ain't said thanks for what you have already. Thank him for what we have. Jesus shows that and he models that. I want you to notice, God can work with what you have. So maybe you're not the shiniest penny in the cash register. Maybe you can't hit a note like an angel, like Tiff. Maybe you don't know how to read the Greek New Testament. Maybe you don't have a lot of money. Maybe you struggle with depression. Maybe you've been wounded and hurt by someone and you're somewhat fearful. Maybe you wrestle with issues of rejection. Maybe you've been divorced, adopted, abandoned, molested. Maybe you can't play the keys like Aaron Johnson. But what you do have, be thankful for. And don't just be thankful for, but offer it to Jesus. Bring it to the cross and offer it to him. He can work with a little bit. He can take your little bit of stuff and do something with it. Stop complaining about how, well, it ain't got nothing. You never have nothing. If you're trying to get something to compare with what God has, don't ever come. But what you have, you bring it and you freely offer it. Romans, and I'm finishing up. I'm looking at the clock. It's chasing me. Romans chapter 12, you know where I'm going. Verse 1. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reason, which is your spiritual worship. So bring what you have. God can work with it. It's a form of worship. Bring what you have to the offering plate. He can work with it. Bring what you have and serve in this community. He can work with it. He desires that you offer all you have to him. He's offered all he's had to you on the cross and given you the fullness of himself. We must respond by giving all that we have to him. But I want you to notice when we give it to him, this is what happens. When we offer our life to Jesus... um, Notice that he gave them the little pieces and the bread and he broke them and he gave thanks. You see, God takes what we have and he breaks it. He breaks us of pride and independence and false humility that that we might be useful in reaching a hurting world with the nutrients that the gospel provides. Jesus breaks us to make us whole. This also shows off the bread of life breaking bread, symbolizing that the Father has sent himself in the form of the Son. Jesus is the bread of life, breaking bread, symbolizing that he himself would go to the cross to be broken for us. And that brokenness would not just feed 4,000 in the wilderness, but that brokenness would feed millions of millions of people that would call on his name. So his brokenness of that bread in the wilderness fed a few, but his brokenness on the cross would fill all that would call on his name. It would feed them all. So as Jesus broke this bread and gave thanks, and when we place our faith in him, place our faith in him, we get fed abundantly. Verse 37, they all ate and were filled that they might not faint on the road. And it shows that the gospel is not fast food. The gospel satisfied. Satisfied meaning adequately filled, not just full. It's not like collard greens and a lot of fried chicken and a bunch of bread that you just be full, that you get sleepy. No, the gospel doesn't bloat people. The gospel brings energy and it energizes people to serve the Lord with passion. I want you to notice this last piece and I'm done. They took up seven baskets full of broken pieces. This to me is the picture of abundant provision of Jesus and a great stewardship of resources. This gives me the imagery of artwork. You see, artists, they're always going around. Matt Stimler is one of my good friends. He's here somewhere. But artists, they always go around with their little bag getting broken pieces from all over the city. They gather these broken pieces that are independently useless, not whole, but broken. Fragments, if you will. But when the artist gathers all these broken, fragmented pieces and takes some cement and he takes some glue and he puts them together, it forms a picture. All of these broken pieces together, glued together, become one and we call that a mosaic. It's a work of art, some would say The artist might say it's his masterpiece. So Jesus takes us. A bunch of broken pieces. And individually we are worthless apart from Christ saving us. Broken and apart from him. But he's gathering many broken people and pieces to himself by his gospel. When those broken pieces get together, we form his church. That's a bunch of broken pieces united by the concrete, the martyr, the glue of the gospel to form together what Jesus calls his masterpiece. I'm going to read this and sit down. Ephesians 2.10. Look what the Bible says. Broken pieces. I'm glad to be a broken piece. Look at 2.10. Look what it says. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That word, workmanship, translates in the Greek to masterpiece or his trophy, his trophy of grace. His, practic- his practical demonstration and proof of his work in your life is when he takes broken pieces that were once ugly to many and puts them together by his gospel and shows us off to the world that we might show him off to a world in need. Father, we do thank you. We honor you for who you are. And we pray, God, that you would continue to gather the broken pieces. You promised you would. So, God, we pray that we would embrace these truths. We pray that the compassion that, we, that you have would be our compassion. We pray that we would fully embrace this reality. And embracing this reality, it would spark us to mission. And in sparking us to mission, God, we pray that we would be satisfied in the reality that only you can fulfill, only you can satisfy, and that we must take that satisfaction that reality of the fullness of your gospel in our lives and share it with a broken world that many and any might come in and like the woman, the Canaanite woman, might kneel down and say, Lord, I'll take the crumbs off your table. So have your way. Bless us now as we continue in our gathering time for your, by your grace and for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.